Father, this evening, here, morning, there, but you are the God of all earth. You see them there, you see us here. You're with us here, and you're with them there. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We worship a living God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God. We just thank you, Father. We thank you for George's life and Corinne's life. We thank you for, in your mysterious way, bringing this young couple together. Thank you, Lord. Now, as we come to the ministry of the word, your word says in Psalm 138, words 2, that you have magnified your word above all your name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot from your word. So we, Lord, give that position that preeminence to your word now. And I pray even as I minister the word, the word will minister to your people, Lord. We commit this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The Bible begins with a wedding. The Bible ends with a wedding. The Bible talks about the wedding as a mystery. The relationship with Christ and his bride. So George and Corinne, welcome to the mystery. As the days go by, you will discover it truly is a mystery. In Matthew 19 and verse 4, whenever Jesus was asked questions about marriage, his usual response was this, have you not read who made them at the beginning? He always went to the beginning. Whenever he was asked about a wedding, he went to the beginning. So whenever you think about a wedding, when you have doubts about your wedding, when you have questions about a wedding, go to the beginning. And the beginning is the book of Genesis. And it's the second chapter of Genesis where we have one and two, we have this entire idea of wedding, of marriage. Marriage is not man's construct. It is God's idea. So whenever you have doubts, go back to the word of God and go to what God has said. So whenever asked about weddings or marriages, Jesus said it was not so in the beginning. So we always need to ask, how was it in the beginning? What is this that God designed in the beginning? The Bible begins with this emphatic statement, no explanations, nothing, this emphatic statement in the beginning. That's how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Keep those words, George and Corinne and everyone else who is listening. Keep those words etched in your hearts and your minds. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. The psalmist says in Psalm 127 and verse 1, he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Let God be there in the beginning of your marriage. Let God watch over your marriage in the beginning. Because in the beginning, God. The writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He is the one who begins. And he is the one who will finish. And I thank God for the two of you. Because George and Corinne, you both prayed. You sought his will and you heard from him. And therefore, in your beginning, in your marriage, he is there right there in the beginning. You are not like many couples who found God later in their marriage. 
you are blessed because he is right there in the beginning. You put him right there in the beginning, you sought his face, you sought his will, you sought his purpose, and then you decided to get married. Because in your beginning, there is God. That is his way. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul will say, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So you should be confident in this. God who began this marriage will be faithful to complete it. Because we need God all the way. Every day of your life to hold a marriage together. We need God. More marriages are broken today than they are held together. Let me tell you, you will need God all the way. And God has given us a promise. Being very confident of this very thing. That's what Paul says. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it till until the day of Christ Jesus. And he will do with your marriage too. So you, you will need him today. You will need him every day. So remember, in the beginning, God. I want to bring a little illustration over here of an event in Jesus' ministry. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus is going on to the other side, the Gadarenes. But this is how the journey begins. On the same day evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So this journey is beginning with Jesus. It begins because Jesus said, let us go to the other side. You are beginning this journey because Jesus said, let us go together to the other side. We know this story. What happens was that he's there in the beginning. They have started the journey. They are in a boat. Jesus goes to the back of the boat and he goes to sleep. And little day later, a storm rises. It's a very powerful storm. The waves rise, the waters come in, the boat is about to capsize. And he's asleep. And the disciples panic. Let me tell you this truth from the word of God. Even when Jesus starts the journey, and Jesus is in the boat, storms are inevitable. In the best of marriages, there will be storms. Because the purpose of the storm is to test your vows your faithfulness, your resilience, your perseverance, your endurance, your patience. These are great virtues in the kingdom of God. With Jesus in the boat, there is a storm. And the Bible says, the disciples panic. When storms hit your marriage, don't panic. Don't panic. They panicked. And they woke him up. And they asked this question in verse 28, 38. They asked this question. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't ask that question. He, he cares. If you ever doubt God cares for you, cares for your marriage, cares for your home, cares for your minute or for your ministry, look at the cross. Nobody has cared for mankind more than Jesus has cared for us. But they ask this question in panic when storms come and you feel your life is sinking, your home is sinking. This question will rise. Lord, you were there at the beginning. I started this journey because you said, but Lord, don't you care? But he does care. He does care. When storms come, get into your prayer closet. 
Don't ever forget that verse. In the beginning, God. The one who promised, I will never leave you, never forsake you. I will be with you till the end. Go into your prayer closet. Seek his face. Because we are living in prophetic times. We are living in extremely difficult times. The days Jesus promised what would happen in the last days. He said there will be pestilences. He said there would be wars. He said there would be famine. Yes, we had pestilence. It's still there. And after that has come war. And famine is knocking on the doors of nations. We are living in prophetic times. We need God more than ever before. And couples that go through storms, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of their faith, they come stronger and they come closer. They don't come out bitter, but they come out better. So when you go through your marriage and you face these things, look unto Jesus, because he was there in the beginning. Because that's how the Bible begins, in the beginning, God. Whenever doubt comes and fear comes or remorse comes, remember how the word of God begins. It says, in the beginning, God. And that what he started, he's faithful to complete it. When a man takes God out, or a couple takes God out, or a home keeps God out, or a nation takes God out, it's only a matter of time. Before that man falls apart, that marriage falls apart, that home falls apart, and the nation falls apart. Because unless the Lord builds, we are laboring in vain. Unless the Lord watches all our efforts, the thief will come and he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. So whether it is a man or a couple or a nation, We need the Lord. The word of God says Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. When your faith is down and you feel the storm is overwhelming, let Christ arise. Let faith arise. Let faith speak to the wind. Let faith speak to the sea. There is the wind. That is the cause. There is the waves that are rising. That is the effect. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. When George and Corin, when you have rough seas in your marriage, George, don't rebuke Corin. Speak to her. Rebuke the devil. Jesus rebuked Satan and spoke to Peter. When Peter's mother-in-law was ill with fever, Jesus rebuked the the fever and he spoke to Peter's mother-in-law. We make the mistake. We rebuke our wives and we speak softly to the devil. But the devil is not going to cook us a meal. It's the mother and the mother-in-law and the wife who cooks. So learn from Jesus. He did not rebuke the sea. That was the effect. He rebuked the wind. That is the cause. Because the enemy is after every Christian marriage. Because he knows it's a mystery signifying the relationship with Christ and the church. So he will come after you with all your strength. And when he does, rebuke him. But speak to each other in peace. Learn to settle issues and love the person. 
learn from the master. He knew how to handle crisis. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. And what did he say? He said, why are you afraid? He turned to his disciples and said, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Fam, write 365 times in the Bible, once for each day, the Lord says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Why are you afraid? We don't have to be afraid, not because there are in crisis and problems, personal and national. It's because God is with us. You will go through the waters, but you shall not be drowned. You shall go through the fire, but you shall not be warned. Why? Because the God of Israel is with Israel. And our God is with us. The first promise in the new covenant is, you shall name him Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. The second promise in the same chapter is, you shall name him Emmanuel, God with us, now forever. That is why we do not fear. That's why he's asking them, why are you afraid? You think the boat will sink? When I am there in the boat with you? Do you think your marriage can ever fail when Jesus is there with you? Two is better than one. But a threefold cord cannot be easily broken. And if Christ began and Christ has promised to finish, do not fear. Do not fear. But you have to let him build it every day. You have to let him watch over your marriage every day. He's the gentle savior. He will not force himself into your life any day. He gently knocks at the door of your heart. The master of the universe, the creator of all of this, he knocks and asks for permission. Can I come in and sup and dine with you every day? So every day, invite him and say, Lord of this marriage, Lord of this home, would you please come? And I tell you, George, as the head of the house, as the head, the onus is upon you. If the onus is upon Jesus as the head of the church, the onus is upon the man as the head of the house. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, we have a, a picture into Jesus' daily life. This is it, what it says. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And I will tell you, George, wake up early in the morning. Does not matter whether it is dark or light. You rise up in the morning, find a place and seek the Lord's face. Because he even till today, the word of God says, is forever making intercession for the saints. He's still praying for his bride. And therefore, early in the morning, when he was walking on earth in the flesh, as the husband, as the bridegroom, he woke up early in the morning and sought his father's face. That is how you build your home. And that is how you watch over your house. And that is how you enter into his rest and then go through the day in your ministry serving him. It's upon you. That doesn't mean Corinne doesn't have to do it. She too has to. But the honest is always upon the man. Because when man fell, because it was the woman who ate the fruit and gave it to man, God did not come to the garden and ask Eve, Eve, where are you? He comes and asks, Adam, Adam, where are you? Because he will still hold the man responsible, even if the fault is the woman's. Because the fault lies with the head and not with the body. So as the head take responsibility, I will watch over my house. I will rise up early in the morning and I will seek his face. I will seek his face. And be gentle. Once you come out of prayer closet, you can be gentle. In Philippians 4, 5, 
Paul lying in prison, writing to us who are free, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. He's very near. He's very close. He's very close. The Lord is near. Let his presence be with you throughout the day. Once you have risen, and as a man found his face, searched, sought him, found him, you will always know he is with you. And it doesn't matter where you are. Whether you are in a palace as a slave like Joseph, or thrown for a false accusation in the prison, what is written about Joseph is, the Lord was with him. So I believe Joseph used to rise up early in the morning and seek the Lord's face, and the Lord was with him. And it doesn't matter whether Paul is out preaching or he's lying in a stinking Roman prison. The word of God says, the Lord is with him. If you seek your face, his face early in the morning, the Lord will be. And even if you are all alone and you feel abandoned, there is one who promised, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Listen to what Paul says in Second Timothy chapter 4, 16 and 17. This is when he has been taken from prison to the court. This is what he says. At my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. This is the key. That's why we seek his face in the morning. Because as you go through every day, especially because you are both in ministry, God may send you to into difficult mission grounds. And I'm telling you, when you are ministering as a couple or as an individual, when you go out on mission ground and you see that everybody has abandoned you, there is somebody who will stand by you and with you in your home and in your mission field. And he will strengthen you. That's why we need, need him. Because he's the only one. Who has promised he will not live, leave us, nor forsake us. And when you live like that, and the Lord starts working his miracles, his wonder through your life, you too can say like the disciples said at the end of the storm in Mark 4. They feared exceedingly and said to one another. I like the KJV version. It says, what manner of man is this? What manner? Every night you will be able to go at and say, wow, the storms I face today. But at the end of the day, it is come. What manner of savior do I have? He speaks and the seas and the winds obey. Let every day be a revelation of the mystery when Christ is at the helm. When Christ is guiding your life. Christ is guiding your, your, your marriage. Christ is there with you. Because that is who is he is. He was in the beginning. In the beginning, God. And Apostle John will say, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Christ is there with you in the beginning. And walk with him through it all. Because famine will come. War will come. Pestilence will come. These things all will come. Why do we not fear? We do not fear because he is with us. And he has taught us how to go through these situations. When war came, Abraham fought with 318 servants, four armies of four nations, and he won because Christ was with him. His victory did not come because of numbers. His victory in war came because of who was with him. When famine struck Canaan and everybody was flowing like a river towards Egypt, God told Isaac, do not go. Stay here. 
so here. And the word of God says, in famine, Isaac reaped hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord God of Israel was with him and taught him how to come through famine. When Israel, Egypt was ravaged by pestilence because of the judgments of God, Israel came untouched, unharmed, because the God, God of Israel taught them how to come through pestilence untouched. And the word of God talks about a set of slaves who came out of Egypt. There was none weak or feeble among them. That is the God who promises, I will be with you now and forever. Look unto Jesus, young couple, the author and the finisher of faith. We can face famine. We can face war. We can face pestilence. We can face everything that happens without fear because we have God with us. I'm here in India and speaking to you in U.S. You know, U.S. is a very special nation because it's a nation that was founded in God. If you look in history, there are very few nations that are founded in God. And U.S. is one of those few nations. You will have another ceremony after that, which is basically connected with the state where you will get the marriage certificate. For 6,000 years or less than that, there was only one ceremony and there was no marriage certificate. There was only one ceremony, which was before God. And then the government came in. And we respect and we honor the government because we need that too. This is a private spiritual ceremony for family and friends. The next will be more of a public ceremony. But you need to remember, God comes first and not government. God comes first and not government. Our rights and our liberties come from God. Our rights and our liberties do not come from government. Government exists for one purpose, to guarantee the freedom and the liberty God grants us. And you have to think it that way. Because we are living at a time when government is encroaching into homes. And you have to have God with you and fight for your home. They will take parental rights away. They will decide the definition of marriage. Those things are not defined by government. Those things are defined by God. Because God said these things even before there was a single government on earth. So as a young couple, get these things very, very clear. I'm very happy you decided to have a spiritual uh, a ceremony first, God first, and then the second one, government. That's the order, God first and government. So there will be no confusion, confusion in your lives as you go. It is always God and not government. And when you have to choose in your mission field one day where they say, Listen to what the government says, but what the government, God says is contrary. You should have the courage to say, should we obey the voice of man or the voice of God? I'm challenging you because you both are in mission. You have been called and set apart to serve God together. And you will need to may have these convictions when you start your journey. God first. We honor government. But we obey God. U.S. 
It's a very special nation because of its founding fathers. You have a declaration of independence and then you have a constitution. One guarantees the other. If there is no declaration of independence, there is no constitution. It is like this ceremony. God is giving you the liberty to leave your father and mother and cleave. That is a declaration of independence. And the next ceremony will give you the constitutional rights. In the declaration of independence, God is mentioned, if I am right, four times. The constitution doesn't mention God at all. It actually begins by we, the people. Your 50 states, on the other hand, has each state has a constitution. And Massachusetts, which is one of the most God-denying states now, has mentioned God 11 times in their constitution. So America was a nation built under God. Never forget that. Never forget. Why do I say that? Because if a man forsakes God, or a couple forsakes God, or a home forsakes God, or a nation forsakes God, it will crumble. It will crumble. It doesn't matter whether it's an individual or a nation. Put God first. And keep God first. One of your founding fathers, one of the most skeptic among them, was Benjamin Franklin. Let me read to you what he said. In June 28th, 1787, Dr. Franklin delivered a speech asking them, how is it that they had forgotten to seek God's help? He said, in the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard and they were graciously answered. All of us who were encased in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a providence in our favor. He went on to say, I love this part. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable an empire cannot rise without his aid. If this is true about a nation, this is true about an individual too. So you share a shared history of a great nation. But if a nation turns away from God or a person turns away from God, both will fall. In 1962, your nation started turning away from God. That's when prayer was banned. In 1963, the public reading of scripture was banned. America, a nation under God, turned his back to God. Please remember, from that day till today, America who practically single-handedly won the Second World War fighting on two fronts, from the day America turned her back to God, has never won a war. Saigon fell in 75, withdrew from Iraq, walked out in humiliation from Afghanistan, you know why? The greatest nation ever in human history has never won a war because America turned its back to God. That can happen to a nation. It can happen to an individual. If you turn your back to God, you will lose all your battles. But if God is with you, the word of God says, who can be against you? Who can be against you?
Jordan Corin, make sure God is with you. Before the conquest of Jericho, when Joshua stood there, he saw a man with a drawn sword. He asked his question, are you for us or against us? It was Jesus. He said, neither. God doesn't have to choose. You and I have to choose every day. Am I with God or am I against God? Choose God every day. Put him first every day. The center of your life, the center of your home, and the center of your mission when God sends you. That's the purpose. The mystery of Genesis 2.24. For this purpose, this purpose, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one. Over Adam and Eve in Ephesians 5, the mystery is revealed to us through Apostle Paul. Therefore shall a man leave. And he says, what is the mystery? What is his purpose? For what purpose? He says, I am talking about, this is a great mystery, but I speak concern, Christ and the church. George and Corinth, to the outside world, the unbelieving world, to the believing world, to the skeptical world, you need to realize as believers and as a believing couple, you represent Christ and the church. Many of the people you will meet and talk and speak may never hear the gospel, may never read the Bible, but they should be able to see Christ and the church in both of you. As God told about Israel, you and your children shall be signs and wonders for me. That's my prayer for you. Your marriage, your home will be a sign and a wonder. When God looks, when man looks at your marriage and your home, they should be able to say, if Christ ever married and he ever had a home, it would be like this. That's why Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Start with hope. Walk in hope. Because where there is no hope, the spirit dries. We have promises galore in the Bible. All these promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So once again, I want you to remember, in the beginning, God. George and Corinne, repeat after me. In the beginning, in the beginning, beginning God. God. Even if you forgot the rest of the message, don't forget the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning. I tell young people when they get married, they don't hear anything because they got stars in their eyes and butterflies in their stomach. But remember one thing. In the beginning, God. And he's faithful to complete what he has begun. So I just want to thank God for bringing you together. And once again, on behalf of the church over here, they're all watching online. Okay, so many people are watching online. Okay, that's why you wanted this online so that they could see. Because George is our, our young man, the first young man we sent on missions. Okay, and my spiritual son and my nephew too. And I baptized him too. So we have the joy of being there. This is my first online wedding, by the way. Okay, I didn't know these <laughs> things. Okay, so COVID has created lots of possibilities. Okay, so I will close now. And uh, before I close, I will pray over you. And all the elders and all the 
other brothers and sisters in the Lord who are sitting over there. Please remember what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. If we have the power to bless God, I would ask you to stretch your hand, right hand towards the couple and let's bless them. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the affection, the love and commitment you have given this young couple. We pray, God, that as they have come to be married and have exchanged sacred vows, we pray that you would bless them all the days of their life. Your word says when a man finds a good wife, he obtains favor from the Lord. So we pray that the favor of God Almighty shall rest upon this couple and that you would continuously sanctify them through your word and by your spirit. We pray that their love shall be strong, the commitment towards each other so firm that it shall draw forth from deep within them the very power of God. We pray that no misunderstanding, no enchanting thing, no sorcery, no work of the enemy shall ever disrupt this marriage that God is now blessing. That they shall always through all serious business of life cherish each other in loving commitment. We pray for the home they will make together, for the ministry you will give them. Let it be a home where they pray together and read your word and hear your voice and trust you. Therefore, Father, now we invoke your blessing upon this couple and ask you to always guide them and help them and to see them safely through all the years of their lives till the end they shall enter into your presence. We ask all these blessings upon George and Corinne in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.